It's said the cannonball disappeared at the same time the Aegean Manticore did. When that strange object entered the galaxy. Well, we all know what happened after that. But it's a damn bit of good luck that two crews as bold as that got mixed up in the event. Welcome back, fellow traveler, to Good Better Quest. Join us as we go on a long errand. Everybody and welcome back to Good Better Quest and our side campaign, A Long Errand. I am your fungenmonger, Nolan Lacey. And with me, as always, are my friends, here to play a game for your entertainment. You, you, you step that you stepping on my fucking brand, Nolan? You step I am. In, I you am. Step, I'm that's, your friend. It's our brand. I was David. like, I thought it was continuity. <laughs> That's that's oh, my wow. fucking bread. Exactly. That's my bread and butter you're fucking with. <laughs> I'm your friend. Yes. And since Nicola was the nicest to me, she gets to introduce herself first. David. Oh, man. Hi, I'm Doug. And I'm playing. <laughs> you blew it. No, no. No, 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 no. Hi, I'm Nicola and I'm playing Raquel. The adorable psychic that has a description. <laughs> I don't know what you're asking me. <laughs> just, just an introduction. That's that's good, I guess. You'll you'll explain your character through your actions. Yes. <laughs> Who's next? Jake Lucas is the new security officer, and uh, he is very plain to look at. Cool. Our last member. I am. Oh wait, hold on. Hello. I frequently forget who I am. <laughs> Sorry, I blacked out for a minute there. <clears throat> I am Hagen Young. I am a Hoganite and the new science officer on the Aegean Manticore. I heard someone put something on this sexy, sexy ship, and I'm not okay with it. I just want that on record. Well, good. We're about to do something, but to pick up where we left off, very much like The Expanse, where we leave several seconds after the last episode, over the intercom, you all heard Crumb say, Welcome to the Void Between Galaxies. It, kind of. I mean, technically we're still in the Milky Way. It just, it just sounds really cool when I say that. I just I wanted to say that because we've never gone this far. So, uh, yeah, you guys can get up and move around the ship now if you have anything that you need to do. So... You know, we've got a little while to travel, so have fun. What the fuck does he mean we've never gotten this far? I'm what? also worried about that phrase. What? So the the Caspian outpost is on the edge of the galaxy, and, like, nobody... What's what's the point of going past it? I mean, like, there's nothing out there that, you know, you can go to another galaxy. It's going to take you, you know, 100,000 years to get there, so nobody even tries. Jake is in his quarters, and he's standing in front of a mirror, and... He has already, like, unpacked all the sort of interior pockets inside of his overall, uh, coverall, rather. And there's, like, a couple of different kinds of shirts, a couple of different kinds of, um, like, britches and, like, accessories that, that are, that look, it's costume jewelry and stuff. But just straight up costume jewelry. And he's got it all, like, neatly tucked into all, into, like, a compartment in the room or a couple of compartments in the room. And now without any of that stuff in there, that, that, that coverall hangs real, like real loose around him. And he kind of looks a little bit like a flying squirrel. But he pulls his hat down. Low. So Jake doesn't have, Jake doesn't have a suitcase. He just carries everything in his coveralls. Yep. He didn't have anything. To, he didn't have anything <laughs> okay. To, okay. There was nothing to do. Like, right. He's cause here's the thing guys. In front of the mirror, Jake opens his coverall, and on his left side, 
There's a lump in his flesh with a crudely box of a crude box of stitches around it, and he remembers um, very little about how it got there, but he knows that the person that wants it will do anything to get it. And he zips his coverall back up, and he walks back to the main deck. Let me hold the child. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't have him. I'm sewing him into my thigh. <laughs> oh, Quay. <laughs> so you guys are are simply just traveling through space right now. Uh, Raquel, do you have anything in your quarters that you need to take care of, or do you want to start moving around the ship? Oh, no. As soon as she sets down her stuff, which is not a lot, she instantly goes back out and starts exploring. Okay. Hagen, do you have anything you'd like to resolve? Uh, yeah. Hagen uh, gets back on the uh, intercom. He's like, he's a tech-savvy dude, so he knows how to um, yeah. work, work the... Uh, the communi thing, communicator thing to get straight to the bridge. So he presses the button and he, he goes, Crumb, someone put something on the door right after we went into space. Do we have like a strong tether that I can tie myself to and get a look outside the ship? Maybe some magnet boots so I can walk on the outside of it? Actually, we do. Uh, are you... Are you in your quarters now? Where are you? I have been at the door this whole time because I am stressed. Where you're sitting in the safety nets, there's a door past where you came in that closes and makes an airlock. And next to your feet, a small compartment opens and there are actually mag boots that just pop out. Like, uh, <laughs> kind of like a, a Mario... Uh, mushroom, when you get it out of the box, they just slide over to your feet. Crumb comes back on the communicator. Yeah, if you take those mag boots, you should be able to go outside. I I've created the, the airlock next to you, so you shouldn't have to worry about anything. There is a small problem. Uh, you don't have a personal communicator yet with the ship, so I'm not going to be able to talk to you unless you can find one. Uh, usually, people have them, so I didn't think to, to store one in that storage box, but... It should be okay. If you're just popping in and out, we won't worry about it. Yeah, it's it's just going to be a quick job, and I can see no way that this could go wrong. Sounds good. Let me know when you want me to open the door, and I'll, I'll pop it open. Uh, I, I put the boots on, uh, and I... Jake says, Jake says, stop. Wait, wait, wait. No, this was just a conversation... I was Between... going to say, I don't think oh, we could hear it. Were, I thought we were all on the main deck again. Oh, shit. No, all right. I'm still in You the just place. said you were in your quarters. <laughs> no, no. Hagen, Hagen's about to be dumb. He's a dumb young kid. Oh, dumb. I love this, though. Young at the age young, of 200. Young, <laughs> dumb, and full of, you know. You know. Garbage, mm. because that's what he carries around with him for some reason. <laughs> Same. You put on the boots? I put on the boots. A time I, 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 I... There was no tether, right? It, it's just the boots. Right, it's just the boots. It's All just right. the boots are enough for you to get outside. I put on the boots, and I uh, I, I signaled a crumb to uh, open the door. After you signal, all of the air in the, the airlock comes out, as airlocks are wont to do. And the door to the outside, the one that you boarded in, opens back up about halfway because there's something that's preventing it from opening the entire way, the thing that you heard hit the ship and and wind into it. It's far enough open that you can squeeze through, but you do notice that this is not operating the way it's supposed to. I'm going to... Can I investigate this thing from the backside of it? You mean from the inside of the ship? Yeah. No, it's not poking through the door. It's just it. The the door is six inches thick. It didn't get that way. Uh, okay. It didn't get all the way through. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna step out and get a look at this fucking thing. So you step through the door. You know, like automatic doors used to do. As soon as you get out, it closes and says, "Thank you for coming to the Aegean Manticore," and shuts behind you. Oh no! <laughs> oh, wait. 
you can get back in. It's just it's oh, just a nice no. little greeting for people as they come onto the ship. As you get to the outside, attached to the door is a device that you're not familiar with. It's not so foreign that you can't figure it out, but you've never seen something put together this way. It seems like a very custom piece of machinery. You should roll me a tech roll, David. Tech is... All right, well, that's an eight plus the things I have. Where tech is plus intelligence? Yes. Uh, is it a flat roll if I don't have proficiency in the skill, or is it still Correct. plus intelligence? Oh, yeah. fuck. So, that's an eight. Okay, I mean, eight, eight's enough. There are several different pieces of machinery. As you are investigating this, you notice that it's not so custom that it's it's, like people are making circuitry, they have crammed a couple of different devices together, and they're all communication devices. Which is weird. Why would somebody want to communicate and not be on the ship? And also, not just hail the ship from another ship. One of my abilities is hijack. Can I hijack this thing? Do what? Yes. Okay. Yes, you can. Damn, I am y'all. So I add my intelligence, right? Correct. Okay, cool. That's a 10. So Hagen, you hijack this device. You, you notice that there's one of the many ports that you're able to plug into. It, you know, you have a universal... It's not a USB, but it's like a universal plug-in. You see it because... It's an MSB, multiversal service... <laughs> <laughs> one above. Yeah. You see that there is one of these devices that has a plug like that, and you plug in. And as you do this, I asked you to describe how Hagen communicates with other devices. Would you like to explain that? Yeah, so to hack things, or, or even just communicate in general, you know how R2-D2 has that weird little rod that he sticks into the circular thing and it twists and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Hagen has something like that, but it's a, it's like a small USB thing. He takes out of his, his head and he puts it into the port that almost everything has. And we're talking small USB, like you have for a wireless mouse, you know, that's, that's just got the little tiny mm -hmm. chip on it. And so he puts it in there and essentially what happens is he welcomes that computer into his mindscape, which is like the white room in the matrix where he has control over everything. And it's always just a very nice, there's two armchairs, there's a tea set, there is a fireplace with the mounted head of an awful human being above it. Um, his, his skin is tanned and orange, um, and it, it just does not look good. I also just, I have a question for, just to immerse ourselves further. When he plugs in the USB, does he have to like flip it over three or four times oh, to make sure it's going <laughs> in the right way? Listen, okay. no one is checking. immune to that. Mm -mm. It's magic. It's the just only checking. magic in just this checking. world. You plug yourself into this device that is connected to the Aegean Manticore, and you're transported to the White Room, and the two chairs are there, and one chair is the color of Hagen's eyes. It's blue. Correct. And that's the one that you sit in. Yeah. The other chair is a plain wingback leather chair. In it starts to materialize Hagen's picture, perception, vision of what this device is. It's basically Hagen's body, but with the whatever device it is for the head. So it's <laughs> okay. got the box so, as a head. I like that. I really like that. The, the lights that you see on the device are all green, and that's what the color of the chair turns as it materializes sitting there. So there's a, a like bright it. blue chair and a bright green chair. And the device sitting there begins to speak to Hagen. What am I doing here? I'm supposed to be delivering a message. I have intercepted you for just a moment. I'd like to know what you're doing here. My purpose was designed to deliver a message to the daughter, and it seems that you're impeding me. I do have authority to shut off any devices that have contacted me. 
Should I do that now? No. Override command. I am in control here. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> I am the captain now. <laughs> oh! You are the captain now. What should I do? Cease all communication outside of this quadrant of space. So you say that, and on the device that you're talking to, you see it as a face, and there are a bunch of lights flickering on and off as, as communications are coming in and out, and you see about half of them just shut off. Communication transmission ended. Would you like to hear message? Please. As you say this, very much like Princess Leia from Star Wars, a figure emerges between the two of you in this holographic area that you're sitting in. This person is a Rabani. You know this from their stature and their hair, but you can't see their face. They are wearing a, a flat porcelain mask. Not like moths, David, I swear to God. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> that's what... That's um, what I, crossover. Her name is Butterfly. Uh... <laughs> the, the mask seems more for a medical reason than for an aesthetic purpose. It seems like the mask is there to contain their face. You don't know what is going on behind it. This is just an image. It's not, it is no longer transmitting. This is not live. So this person is standing with their arms folded behind them in a very severe manner. This message was clearly meant to be broadcast. They look directly at where Hagen is sitting and say, You have our daughter. You will turn back around to the Caspian station and you will deposit her. You will put her on the next transport to the capital. If you do not, we will send someone to find her. We have the resources. You cannot outrun us. And then the figure disappears. And the device looks back at Hagen and says, Self-destruct? Question mark? Negative. I'd like to introduce you <laughs> to some other friends. The figure in the other chair claps their hands, very, you know, like Delighted. a little, little happy child. We would love to meet some new friends, please. Do you have the ability to disconnect from the doors? Yes, we do. Give us five seconds to complete our process. Absolutely. Uh, and then I, I jack out. Uh, and, and hold it. <laughs> As you do this, the device, the mechanism that like drilled into the door, it unscrews and it it pops out like a corkscrew and the the drilling bit pops out into four little legs and it turns into like a little crab and just walks next to you. And it, it has all the little lights on its head and they all make a little smiley face looking at Hagen. But it, it can't say anything to you now because you're out of the, the mindscape. But it just, it makes a little smiley face at you and follows you around. I have made a friend. Today is a good day. Uh, and I, I'll bang on the ship door to see if that'll <laughs> open it. it. It does, actually. Again, it's it's motion sensor. So Crumb hears this and opens the door again. You can walk through. It opens all the way through. There, there is a little bit of a pockmark where the drill went in, but yeah. it is a functioning door again. I get back on the communicator thing. Chrome, I found something outside the ship, and I think we need to take a look at it. Why don't you bring it up to the bridge and we'll, we'll have a look. We need to keep moving, but uh, we have a little while before we're going to get there, so I think everybody probably getting introduced to their station is a good idea at this point. Sounds like a good plan. I'll be out there shortly. As you're moving towards the the bridge, Captain Calvin comes on to the, the comms and says to everybody, Everybody, please come up to the bridge. We need to have introductions to our stations. I think it's about time that you learned all of the things this baby is capable of doing. Raquel, you said you were investigating the ship almost as soon as they slowed down. Where did you end up when that comms came over? So I probably wouldn't be far from the, from the bridge because I'm looking for people. So I probably went, I, I, I went looking for Jake first, but he hasn't come out of his quarters yet. So I'm like looking around all the hallways and I'm like opening closet doors and I'm just getting into shit. I'm probably not supposed to. So I probably did not get far from the bridge because I know that's where people are. 
and I just want to talk to people. This is uh, this is more of a, a Whalen Utani colony ship than a Star Trek galaxy class ship. There's a very minimal crew. I don't. Uh, some of those words made sense to me. Some of them didn't. <laughs> are there closets? And can I, open I know them? what a star is. <laughs> there are closets. And I know what a trek is. How, are we past the use of closets in the future? <laughs> no, cl- closet closet space is at a premium. It's called a smuggler's hatch now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. I imagine you're the first to show up if you were that close. I am. As you come in... Calvin is in the, the captain's chair, and it's on a swivel, because why wouldn't you have a captain's chair on a swivel? Of course. And she, she turns around and looks at you and goes, if you'll take the chair to my right, that's actually where the communications officer usually sits. Yeah, sure. As you walk into the bridge and see her chair, directly in front of her, Crumb is plugged into controls. All four of his Tesla coils are submerged into this hemisphere looking thing with the the metal uh let me let me take a second when i said that crumb was on top of the the flying carpet part of his being there's a metal collar that he actually sits in and like deposits his his dangly legs into so the metal collar is directly on top of this hemisphere and all four of the tesla coils are connected into ports around it as you come around to sit in your chair Crumb also rotates and looks at you, and his little, you know, Crumb unicator says to you, Hey, comms officer, it's nice to see you again. Uh, In your chair, there is another communicator so that you can talk to us anywhere around the ship without having to hit one of the comm panels. So if you want to just, you know, plug that into your ear, uh, we'll all be good. Sound good? Uh, Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, and I do that, and then I continue to stare at Crumb because it's never not going to be weird. Crumb <laughs> <laughs> has a central eye, so he turns his body back around to look at the the viewport, but his eye stays looking at you. Uh... <laughs> Jake, are you are you expressly coming to the bridge, or does Jake look for hideouts as well? I was going to say, like, it just occurred to me, like, right before he leaves the room, he should probably do, like, a quick look about to see if there's any cool little hiding spots because he has the smuggle skill. I mean, the smuggle ability, rather. And it seems to me that ought to give me some sort of advantage on finding cool shit about, you know, stuff where you can stuff things. I was just wondering as a, you know, as a dungeon monger, if you could give me that. Are you taking your time getting up specifically to look for hideouts or are you walking there and using your perception as an outlaw to find just to notice things all right let's do it like this he is about to start poking around in his room he's just unloaded his stuff he's just looked at the thing on his side he's just zipped up his thing and he hears the the sort of call to come to the bridge and uh he steps out and in a more than cursory, but not much more than cursory way, he's going to kind of check doors and uh, nooks and stuff on his way to the um, to the bridge. Give me a culture roll. All right. And what am I adding to that? The willpower, or intelligence, what? I'm going to say willpower. All right. So I got an eight and a nine. Here's the thing. I, I'm just going to go ahead, accept proficiency so I can re-roll a dice, or re-roll a die and have to take the thing. So I've got a two. You can't get much worse than that. There's a much better chance that I'll outdo the two. Yeah, you can't so get worse than Famous last two. words. Uh, but you can get a three, and then you can add two to it, and now it is a ten. Nice. Jake has done a lot of traveling, correct? Yes. And Jake, he's not exactly a soldier of fortune. He doesn't fight, but he's looking to help the downtrodden. And you've been on lots of ships. Yes. With the role that you had in our last session, having remembered that this ship was at one point part of a, a pirate legion, as you're walking, you you just, from your experience with ships and your knowledge of this history, are looking and you're seeing panels that fit really well, but they shouldn't be there. You're seeing that while the ship might have become something more of a peacemaker, 
something just to, to ferry freight around, it, it never really lost its pirate heritage, and there are lots of cool places for Jake to hide shit in. Right on. All right, well, then he makes his way to the bridge. Oh, man, so many better places to hide shit other than inside your <laughs> epidermis. <laughs> I mean, it so, wasn't his choice. <laughs> that's, that's true. Look, you won't get an argument from me. <laughs> Hagen, do you you're you're proceeding there too, right? Yeah, Hagen Hagen is walking there. Is the tracker which I am gonna name Jacker? Is Jacker walking with me? Oh yeah, Jacker Jacker is now he's like a little puppy. He just follows at your ankle. I anytime I come to a door that like takes a minute to open, I'm giving him scratches. But Hagen makes his way to the bridge, and <laughs> it just I I love the idea that like. No one has seen Hagen since liftoff, and then when he came back, he's got a very strange pirate box that's walking <laughs> and smiling. You and Jake come into the main hall at the same time, so you're walking into the bridge side by side. And as you open the door, Calvin turns around again in her chair. She, she doesn't look down for a second, so she definitely doesn't see Jacker, but she sees Hagen and, and Jake. She turns in her chair and she points over to the left side of the room to a large panel with a lot of devices on it. You can see a lot of readouts and a lot of a lot of lights flickering on and off. And it's clearly a, a scientific station. There's lots of numbers and lots of little readouts and lots of things that are being calculated every second as the ship is moving. And she says, that's the science station. Hagen, if you'll go ahead and plug into that, uh, I think that would probably be the best. You can do it all manually, but I get the feeling you're probably more comfortable doing it electronically. I can do things however you need them done, but I can absolutely do that. On that note, we'll come back to me. Uh, he he kind of he scoots Jacker behind him. Uh, <laughs> he's thinking to himself, this is a meeting. There is a protocol to this. Let's... <laughs> Let the meeting have it, and then I'll bring up the pirate tracking box. You don't know if it's a pirate yet. I, it's, it's not good. But it is a very good boy. She nods her head. She gives you a curt nod as you move over to the scientific station. And she looks at Jake, now in front of her, because she's fully turned around from the view screen, looking at the door behind her. There is a small stand where... There's a, a, a view screen and a couple of buttons. And she says, that's where the security officer stands. It gives you the best view of the bridge. It also gives you access to all of the security cams on the ship. Would you please stand there, Jake? And don't go anywhere. Yeah, Jake goes and stands there and doesn't go nowhere. Calvin turns back around and she just starts talking because you're her crew. So she doesn't have to address you one by one and says, I've been talking to Crumb during our, our takeoff and the asteroid that we're intending to meet well crumbs given me a little bit more information about it and he seems to think that there is a there's some kind of energy field coming off of it i i don't know what that's about and we can't get a clear reading so when we get in close uh, we're going to stop a, a couple of thousand kilometers away and try and do as much reconnaissance i guess as we can it's it's just a big rock so we're gonna try and and speed up a little bit so everybody just just get comfortable it's gonna be a little bit heavy for the next couple of hours um jake wants all right so uh, jake thinks back to um like local legends and stuff like that that he's heard as he's as he's traveled um and tries to recall if he if he's ever heard of a um like a meteor or whatever an asteroid that has that's giving off a signal like this like if it's odd right it's odd so we're all going out to look at it but has that ever happened before has he ever like heard about that in his travels yes Jake has seen asteroids and comets and stuff. And again, there's a lot of scientific research that gets done these days just to answer questions. People aren't worried about food or resources. So a lot of time is spent just being curious. And there have been a lot of larger asteroids that give off fields, but they're, they've all been readily explained. They're electromagnetic, they're radio, they're, you know, hot. So they're giving off x-rays or something. The fact that 
Someone as experienced as Calvin and Crum are unable to readily tell you what's going on is odd. Okay. So you all start moving, and all of a sudden, there's a break in the communicators. Like someone is hijacking the comm output on the bridge. And you all hear a song start coming through. It's a sea shanty. My son John was tall and slim, and he had a leg for every limb. But now he's got no legs at all, for he ran a race with a cannonball. Timmy Brood and da, thought a riddle da, whack for the riddle, Timmy Brood and da. And as soon as the word cannonball ends, a black ship comes out of warp off of your starboard stern with four attack ships circling around it that are much smaller and very clearly more agile than the Aegean Manticore. As they come into view, the view screen pops up and a captain of the black ship addresses Captain Calvin. Well, if it isn't me old friend, Captain Calvin, it's me, Captain of the Cannonball, Punch Sidire. It's nice to be seeing you again. As he's talking, Calvin has just leaned over and she's putting her palms onto her eyeballs and she's just rubbing it. She is already exasperated by this and goes, Punch, what do you want, Punch? Well, it seems we're on a mission and we've come to collect something that it appears you be having. And as he says this, a figure steps out from behind him in a cleanly pressed black suit, shaven head, and on their suit, on their breast, is a golden emblem of a human hand grasping a human mandible. This person doesn't necessarily push Punch out of the, the way, but their presence is strong, and Punch moves out of the way for this person. And they, they are addressing your crew. My name is Inquisitor Alistair Cowell, yeah. And we have come seeking information that you have here. And it needs to come back to us, you see. You will surrender this information and we will take it from you, yeah. And we will take it back to the people who have hired us. And you will do so without resisting us, yeah. Uh, Captain, should I just turn this off? I don't like this channel. <laughs> Calvin looks at you and just goes, I like your balls. You should do that. Okay, I figure out how to turn the communications off. There's no consequences to this roll, but just give me a sheer luck roll. Just 2d12 and tell me what you get. Two, 2d6, because that's what we roll? 2d6, Not, sorry. Okay. Yes, sorry, 2d6. No, we should make okay, it the d12. I no one am, ever uh, fucking uses it. I'm, I'm real curious if you're serious about that no consequences, because... um. I don't. Tr I have a. Tr I have trust issues. There's no con. This is just a sheer luck to see if you hit okay. the right button. Okay. Well. A seven. Okay. So you can see the right button and you know what it is, but you're not familiar with this setup. And you hit a couple of extra buttons along the way, and there, as you hit those other buttons. A filter comes onto the screen and everybody on the screen has bunny faces. Yes. <laughs> I pause a little bit longer on that one just to imprint it in my memory. While you're trying to fix that, psychically from Crumb, you hear. <laughs> he looks like a bunny. And then you hit the right button and communication turns off. And almost instantly as you turn the comms off, the ship gets hit with a laser blast. No! Okay, that I I didn't press that button. I don't I don't know why he did that. R Ripley looks at you and goes, "It's fine. We've we've dealt with worse than this. Uh, just buckle up. It's gonna get a little rough. Do you know how to fire any cannons? Me? Uh, I can figure it out. Good. Ripley hits a big red button on her chair and digital commands pop up in front of everybody. You now all have essentially laser cannon controls in front of you. You have a view screen where you can see where it's firing, a targeting reticule, and like two fucking World War II era buttons where you're just gonna blast your lasers. And Ripley just again addressing the room goes, listen, 
Crum is definitely our best pilot. That's why he's literally tied into the ship right now. Can anybody else fly a ship? We have we have one fighter that could be useful in this situation if anybody wants it. If you don't, we got enough firepower to deal with these people. My time has come. <laughs> I know how to fly. I I am pilot. I am pilot. Are you saying this out loud or are you just thinking it? I say he's thinking this and then he uh and then he like pulls himself together. I know how to pilot a ship. I can do it. Also, this is Jacker. I found him. We'll discuss this later. Do I recognize Jacker? Give me a manipulation roll. Okay, so I have that skill. So which, what do I add to manipulation? That's intelligence? Willpower? Yeah, it's willpower. Okay, that's great. I like this. Eight plus two is ten. Jacker is clearly something your family has built for espionage purposes, and you recognize the handiwork behind it. I, we, we don't have to come back to Jacker if we don't need to. Um, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, no, no. Uh... No, we really should. It's really weird. Like, he talked. There was a Robani lady saying that she was missing her daughter. And, no, it's fine. Like, it's fine. It's okay. It, it was weird. It's cool. It's cool. As you're talking, the ship gets hit a couple more times. Oh, wait. Hold, Priorities. Hold well, we'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk about this in a minute. <laughs> Hagen puts Jacker in his seat, pats it on the head, and says, Do not go anywhere. Be a good... Be a good. <laughs> the, the little face that it makes on top of it turns into a little frowny face, and one little tear of LEDs pops up. Oh, no, don't give me that. We'll go for a walk when I get back. It turns back into a smiley face. We're not going for a walk. <laughs> Ripley looks at you and goes you need to get to the cargo bay you'll recognize the ship when you see it it's impossible to miss now everybody start shooting at those ships is there any way to get communications back up with the other ship yeah I mean you can you can talk to your communications officer about reestablishing it I mean okay but why you have manipulation and I have manipulation and it seems to me that, like, maybe we could stop this from happening instead of going into a firefight. But I've never been in a firefight. Okay, it's too much, <laughs> too much metagaming. Sorry, too much metagaming. Uh, Jake looks down at his digital display and decides to shoot at the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the main ship, the cannonball, is shaped like a cannonball. It's a big spherical ship. Oh, God. And the the small ships around it are shaped like... Do you know what caltrops are? Yeah. Yep. They're shaped like caltrops, other things you can load into cannons. So they start, you know, spiraling around the, the cannonball and are moving and flying and just strafing around the ship. And they're not trying to blow you guys up, but they are definitely, you know, shooting down your, your flanks. The ship does have shields, but they won't hold out forever. So you can target the small ships or the big ship. Which one you you want to shoot the big one? Small Doug? ships. The small ships. No, I'm shoot, shoot, shoot the small ones. Yeah. I really think okay. out of excitement, Raquel would have just fired without aiming at first. <laughs> so if I need to roll a luck check to see if it worked. Oh wait, wait. So there's hold on. There's four small ships and one big one, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. What if, what if that's just 1d6 and then 6 is nothing but 1 through 4 is the small ships? What do you think about that? Sure. Yeah. For just a, a random... Yeah. yeah. So one, 1 through 4, you can tag one of the small ships and 5 and 6 is nothing. Okay. Well, I'm going to roll my gay dice. See what happens. Yes. Got a 1. Okay, so you you hit one of the small ships. Roll a roll a D eight. That's how much damage that turbo lasers do. Oh boy, a seven. The ship is is strafing, and you just grab the controls and whip it around. And you don't realize that you do this, but much like professional snipers who just strafe and pull the trigger when they see a target, you blast one of its wings off. And as you do this, you hear over the communicators. You're just like your father, Fox! And then it explodes. <laughs> no barrel roll! 
no. <laughs> no, I'm sad. So Hagen, you're running back to the uh, the cargo bay. Yeah, running running to that ship. Gonna hop in. Just is is it a, a easy to manage ship? Like is is Hagen familiar with this kind of ship? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let you figure that out. Do you again? Pretty much any technology you can either plug in or you can do it manually. So do you want to plug in or do it manually? Well, here's the thing: is I am skilled in pilot and hijack and science. I don't know if that's applicable to pilot science it. Science is science is everywhere. Yeah, science like fucking magnets. How do they work? Would piloting require intelligence as as the skill, right? Agility, I think, actually. Really? I think so. Uh -oh, yeah, yeah, not. it's agility. Oh no, it's agility. Yeah, yeah. yeah I read that in the book. reaction time, control, and coordination. I yeah. flying should, starships. I have a minus one to agility somehow. So I'm gonna hijack this ship. You plug in, and the same thing happens. The chairs come up, the fireplace, the head. You sit down. Another Hagen body comes up, and and the the entire ship. Yeah. Is the head of yeah. this Hagen. And and this Hagen just goes, "Are you ready to kick some ass? You fucking know it." And I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you there before you take off. Jake. Yes. What is Jake doing? Jake is going to like he's gonna fire at one of the little ships. I mean, Jake would sure love to talk to the people on the other ship instead of having communications crush, because, you know, but. In, there's nothing else to do, so he's gonna shoot a little ship. Okay, give me give me a d6 roll. A three. You hit another one of those ships. Roll a d8. Yeah, that's right, a six. You hit the ship, and again, you you hit it like right on the engines, and it, it begins to catch fire, and it's it's doing some loop de loops, and it's falling down, and through the the voice channel again, you just hear, "Hey Einstein, I'm on your side," and then the ship explodes. While all this is happening, there is incoming communications. The cannonball is trying to set up a, a communication channel, but you can see that they are taking a very aggressive stance the more ships you guys fire on. And Crum is looking at the cannonball and zooms in on the front. As you guys are, are blowing up these other ships, a small hatch opens up and Crum turns around and says to everybody, Hey gang, uh, we either need to address the, the big cannonball in the room or we need to boogie. It looks like they are deploying some missiles. And as he says this, on the, the view screen, you see the front of the ship open up and like Acme cartoons, big red missile heads start poking out and there's nine of them. And they're enormous. They're bigger than the ships that they deployed and they're pointing directly at the aft side of the ship. Uh, Jake, Jake yells, get, uh, put me in touch with the bridge. Like, if they're trying to hail us, right, we can just press a button and we can talk to them. Okay, but it's not my fault. And I click the button. And, um, and Jake kind of squares himself in the, in the screen. And, um, and he takes his hat off and sort of brushes his hair out of his face. And you realize that you now see him like, he looks like somebody now. Uh, he's not somebody that's forgettable right now. You see, wow, he's got a pretty decent jawline. And look at how he's standing. It's very, it's a very different thing altogether. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he squares himself in the thing, and um, and he looks like a person of authority. And um, he says, um, uh, he says, my name is Jake Lucas, and I fuck. But my name is Jake Lucas, and I am the security manager. I'm sorry, I was, I'm not for real going to say that. Um, and he stands up and he says, My name's Jake. <laughs> he says, My name's Jake Lucas. I'm the security officer uh, of this vessel. May I please speak with someone in authority? Punch comes back on. It's, it's the captain of the cannonball at this point. You be speaking to Punch Ironside here. We be having the broadside of your ship and we're about to open fire. What would you like to discuss? Yes. And I realize that, which gives you the upper hand in our negotiation. But my friends and I would rather not die today. We'd rather just go on about our merry way. And if that's possible, I'd like for you to name your terms. 
In the meantime, I also want to think about what reputation this guy has um, specifically. And I want to lean back on my culture again. So I'm going to roll for culture and I'm going to get a 10. And I want to know what, what I know about this dude. So Punch Ironsides is a well-known pirate throughout the, the quadrant that you're in. He's known as somebody who's more or less like a Robin Hood. He does try and, mm -hmm. you know, distribute the wealth. But he has been known to to do some rather odd things that other pirates don't do. And you can't you can't quite remember what that thing is, but you know that there is this air of mystery about him and his entire crew. Um, it's also been said that when people join his crew, they also start on these weird tendencies that that Punch has. While you were talking to him, you see the you see in the background two uh, smoldering members of his crew that were transported from their ships as they were exploding back onto the bridge, and they're they're just patting themselves down and putting out the fire <laughs> from the ships that they were in. Okay. While you're setting up communications and you're talking to him. Hagen, you're talking to the ship. I, I'm talking to the ship. I was say, we're going to kick some ass, but I'm going to try something first. And I think it might work. Take us out, out of the ship and between our ship, between the manticore and the cannonball and open comms. The ship doesn't respond by talking, it just does this. So while you're sitting there, you just see the cockpit in the white room start to glow a red color, which the chair then turns. The ship comes out of the shield protecting the, the launch bay and slowly comes around the manticore and is facing the cannonball. And as you say this, all of the lasers on the ship open up and pop out like Iron Man's armor when he's trying to be aggressive and they just like keep popping out and you have like 18 small lasers that are just pointing at the ship yeah. and you open up comms. So on the bridge of the Manticore, Jake, you see a, a second screen pop up of Hagen inside the ship, Punch on his ship, and you guys are all communicating. I'm going to let you in on a secret. I didn't think that... Hagen would be on the same comms. Does he see the bridge of the Aegean Manticore on it? On his comms? Yeah, so yours yours oh, pops fuck. up as well, and you see the bridge of the Manticore and the bridge of the Cannonball. Well, I... Mm, uh... Nope, gonna do it. Uh... Captain Punch, Inquisitor Alistair, you require your cargo aboard the Aegean Manticore alive, yes? Oh no! Punch begins to say yes and is pushed out of the way by Alistair. And Alistair comes on and says, The cargo isn't alive, brother. If we blow you up, it'll be there when we come to take it, yeah. What is the cargo? Well, now that's for me to know and for you to not. Hagen, can I do any kind? I'm analytical. Does that mean that I can understand him? Like I'm watching, I'm fucking. What's what's the show? I'm lie to me, ing him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for his I'm microchip watching, expressions. I'm I'm watching. Yeah, I'm watching. Watching. I'm, his his nose is flaring. He's sweating. He's nervous. Alistair is angry. You can see that they are they are just enraged that this is happening. As, as they're talking, though, a third screen pops up from one of the other ships, and they say to, to Hagen and everybody on the channel, Fellow Hoganite, will you not join me? My designated purpose is to retrieve a device. A device? A Hoganite in one of the Caltrop ships pulls up next to you. I was discovered by my crewmates and given a new purpose. Join me and help me eliminate the organic crew you are with. If it is a device that you're after, I am sure we can actually give it to you without murder. What is your name? My designation is Hulk One. However, my new purpose is elimination and retrieval. That's unfortunate, Hulk One. However, I have been programmed to prevent killing. 
can we meet a compromise and you leave with what it is you're looking for? So the, the Hoganite on the screen, there's a huge hole in his head and there's sparks coming out of it. He, he is a Hoganite who has been broken and reprogrammed. On the comms, real quick, Hagen is going to say, Alistair, what is the device? You may get it. Or, I mean, it depends on what the device is. What is it? Just tell us what the fucking device is. You're, you're really wasting our time. And yours. Alistair smacks the panel in front of him. You don't know what he's looking at. And all of the missiles start moving. Which way? Towards the Aegean Manticore. <laughs> okay. What way do you think they're gonna move? I don't know. They could be pointing at me. I don't. I don't fucking. I'm science. No, they're retracting back into the ship. That's what you meant to say. As that's happening, the other Hoganite gets his ship in between your ship and the cannonball. It is time to fulfill my designated duties, and I will do so with or without your help. is presented by Good Better Quest, a Final Plank Media production. Today's GM was Nolan Lacey. Players are David Hallman, Doug Holly, and Nicola Snyder. Additional voices provided by Brent Lacey. Music provided by Kevin McLeod and TabletopAudio.com. Today's episode was edited by Nolan Lacey. As always, thank you for listening.